actually been some studies of uh, how brain lift was uh, exceeded after watching uh, CTV campaigns. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is something that it's really interesting. There are very not that many players um, as far as Welcome to the Programmatic Digest podcast, where we cover top programmatic and digital news. I'm your host, Ellen Parker, your very own programmatic sensei. Thank you for joining us. And before we get into today's conversation, please do me those three small favors. Follow us on Apple iTunes and leave us a review. Like and comment on social media. We are currently on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and very soon to be on YouTube, y'all. And finally, sign up to the newsletter on the website, programmaticdigest.com. It sends you one reminder every new episode or once a month as a recap. Hi, Manuela. How are you doing today? I'm great, Helen. So happy to be here. Yay. I'm so excited to have you because you and I have been in contact on LinkedIn for quite a, quite some time. Yes, uh, I'm actually excited because I remember when I first uh listen to your podcast i was so excited to to listen to like really good content and then i just was like i'm gonna add her on linkedin and see what happens i was being a fan actually (laughs) (laughs) thank you the sentiment is shared because i also follow you on linkedin and i was very intrigued to talk to you today because we're gonna specifically talk about the latin american uh, the latin american market on uh, programmatic media and digital media specifically. But before we get into it, I know you're head of programmatic media for Aluna. So how about you just introduce ourself, um, yourself to us and to the listeners that don't know you yet? Okay, perfect. Uh, so yeah, right now I'm the head of programmatic for Aluna Media. Uh, so my job is uh, developing the product. I'm the point of contact for everything that's related to programmatic and since programmatic is something that it's been around for a long time in the U.S. it's still a bit new in Latin America Uh, so um, I've had a lot of experience working for the U.S. so that has helped me uh, developing a product that it works for the Latin America market and that it also uh, at the same time you need to be training the clients, training the salespeople, training the teams all the time uh, for them to understand better how it works. And that's something that I absolutely enjoy. And also trying to make different strategies with all the available channels that we have aside from programmatic. So, gotcha, gotcha. Yes. That, that's a really interesting, um, this is a really interesting segue into what we'll talk about because I mentioned to you before we started recording that I have, very little knowledge about the Latin America, the Latin um, market. And so I'm super excited to talk to you about uh, today. In today's conversation, we'll highlight two specific articles. Uh, actually, one of them is research from Magnite. It's called Magnite Latin CTV, and that's the 2021 research. So for those listening and those watching now, um, we'll have the, the articles in questions and the URLs in our show notes. And then the second article is about automation. If is automation replacing media buyers, right? Uh, and that is a Digiday article. So with let's go ahead and jump into it, right? What is happening in the Latin American <laughs> market? Um, what does what that include? Is it anywhere below 
uh, the U.S.? Would that be including in Latin America? So Mexico all the way down to what's the I don't have a map in my office. Argentina. <laughs> Argentina is about OK. Argentina. I didn't yeah. want to just butcher it just in case. So all of those con- countries are considered um, part of the Latin American market, from my understanding. Um, for those who doesn't know, there are, what, three languages? There's Spanish, Portuguese, and then I would say English. Yeah, there's some is it? Uh, English and French colonies. Uh, but we, like, when we speak of Latin America, mostly we do, like, the Spanish-speaking countries. And then okay. we set Brazil aside because it's literally, like, a different continent. Oh, um, get it. Because of the amount of people, like, it has more than 200 million people. And okay. they speak Portuguese. So. Portuguese in Brazil. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's great. That's great that you mentioned that. And I know some of you are probably like, how dare she doesn't know? The reality is that I don't remember. You know, we learn in school and then we're so focused on North America that we forget the rest of the world sometimes. So a mission on this podcast is to highlight diversity and how other people are doing it outside of North America. So what are three top trends that are happening uh, in Latin in the Latin market right now? Okay, so... Um, right now in, in Latin America, um, I, I wanted to go before answering that a bit of the specifics that are uh, really different from the U S. So I know like in the U S right now and in Europe, it happened all the thing with GDPR and data in general. Mm -hmm. And in Latin America, we don't have something similar. So all those, uh, kind of uh, changes in the user experience, it didn't affect us that much, even though people are informed. Okay. Um, it hasn't had an effect yet. And another thing that I think it's key to understanding a bit of how the region works is that most of the users here use Android phones. So for example, oh. what happened with the iOS? Interesting. It, okay. it happened, but it didn't affect at least how we could find or target our users. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That is super, super interesting. Uh, that's very interesting. So t- let's talk about the consumer then. Um, how are we measuring and tracking them? Okay. So um, right now, we are really reliant on third-party cookies okay. uh, to target uh, users. Mm-hmm. And there are a few companies that have started to talk about this more and more. There was actually a great talk about it yesterday uh, mm-hmm. of an Argentinian company actually called Retargetly that they, uh, with the help of other DSPs, created IDX that it's an identifier that you want to use with different publishers. Oh. But again, this is something being talked by by huge companies like MediaMath, Lodemy, mm-hmm. and still the other mid-site publishers, the mid-site agencies, some of the advertisers are still not aware that this is happening. So, uh, yes, we're still behind with some things, but we're always catching up. Yeah, I had the pleasure of... Um, I've had the pleasure of talking to one of my now friends, I would consider. His name is Salif Job. They built a uh, DSP that service that is servicing African and Caribbean market and um, the um, 
Arabic market. So like the Saudi Arabia, the Middle East market, sorry about that. The Middle East market, African market and Caribbean market. And his platform is called Kawa Rizmi. And he was saying that, you know, targeting is is a challenge right now. But because he, the, the company is based in European and in, uh, in France, in Paris, they were able to automatically um, implement GDPR. But um, in terms of third-party cookies, he said, oh, yeah, we're already working on it. And they are trying to focus on device targeting and text message marketing. Because once you get one text from the company and they, the, the person clicks through, and then automatically you'll get, you know, that person in data. And of course, it's working closely with... Um, you know, phone companies, because the phone companies is the one that have your data. So I thought that was such an innovative way of working on not using cookie-based targeting. So even if you have not really seen, like the rest of the industry, the Latin American industry, it's not really focusing on third-party cookie deprecation yet. I think like there's still time for you guys to get there. Um, we don't even have it. I don't know if we haven't really yeah. figured it out. The good thing yes. is that we have companies that are currently working on a potential solution, actually quite a few. And for those who haven't seen the Praska Consulting um, article, I'll make sure to also include that in our show notes, but it was literally showing all of the companies, I think internationally as well, working on um, an identity solution outside of third-party cookies. Um, so, so I thought that was very interesting. Yes, uh, absolutely. I think so, like, there's still not a solution. And it's it's kind of like, I feel like I'm watching, like, a soap opera because it's like, <laughs> okay, so uh, Google talks about blogs and Matilda <laughs> yeah. says, like, I don't want that. And yeah. then everyone's, like, trying to unify, like, uh, there's ID5 throwing some ideas around. Mm-hmm. and I don't know. I think it's it's something fun, but uh, we we're gonna get there at some point. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like in Latin America, we are lucky that um, like mo- one of the biggest channels are social. Yeah. We absolutely love, and I I think like most of the e-commerces are focused on Facebook and Instagram. So maybe that's why people are not so uh, focused mm. on like what are we gonna do with cookies and also. Um, mobile devices are heavily used here. Uh, it's more common for people to have a, a mobile phone because of um, buying a, a, f- a mobile phone, it's easier than buying a laptop or like a desktop. Phone. Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so they still can do like, as you mentioned. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. I'm going to take the next 30 seconds to a minute to tell you all about my birthday challenge. I'm celebrating my birthday month and I'm doing a birthday challenge in looking for five additional clients to sign up. I'm the founder and chief programmatic sensei of Ellen Parker Consulting LLC. And I specialize in increasing the efficiency of my partners, my agency partners by 25% on average. How do I do it? By providing comprehensive media strategies, auditing operational workflows to help programmatic and digital media teams at excelling and managing client campaigns and thriving in a happier work environment. The last 12 months have been difficult for all of us, and agency teams might be feeling burnout from 
round-the-clock campaign management, keeping up with this industry trends, and learning new platform capabilities. This kind of fatigue leads to human errors that can be easily avoided in the future. With my help. So I'm focusing on helping as many companies as I can as I begin a new year of my life, another year of my life this month. Can you help me help you or someone you know that could really benefit from my services? Email me at info at ellenparker.com. That's phonetically helenparker.com. Enjoy the rest of the conversation. Uh, with your friend's company, uh, mobile device tracking. Yeah, I think I think in like the the countries and the area, the regional areas in the world that have uh, connectivity to Wi-Fi issues or connectivity to a desktop computer, for instance, I think mobile targeting might be the next thing. Um, so I'll actually have him on the podcast to talk about uh, his initiatives and then what how how the rest of the world again. How the African market is is doing it, and it, I mean, I was super impressed. So, um, so he'll be on soon enough um, on the podcast. So let's shift the conversation because cookie deprecation is boring. From uh, and I'm yes. quoting one of my guests, Arthur Keru, who said it was boring. So we're gonna shift to something way more exciting, which is CTV. Um, I know you shared this super interesting uh, research. It was specific to uh, Latin America. And is a research base from um, from Magnet, sorry. And um, so one of the things I wanted to talk about is this stat that I had right here, but I lost. So 74 pre- 74% of people prefer to watch free or reduced cost ad supported content. 26% prefer to pay for ad free content. And then 83% wish there were more free streaming video services. Um, and again, guys, for those listening, though this is specific to the Latin American um, uh, market. So what can you tell us about the streaming consumer in, uh, in that region of the world and also about the initiative, uh, AVOD, you know, I mean, sorry, paid versus free content? Yes. Um, so... Well, DTV has been growing a lot in the region um, in terms of like a lot of, well, not a lot, like three companies just uh, particularly coming to the region and trying to develop new apps. So mm-hmm. first, I think it's important to have like a demographic context, um, like DTV, uh, smart TVs, uh, Roku devices, etc. are more accessible to uh, people with uh, a higher income so the amount of users it's it's not that large as in probably in the u.s or more developed countries um so that's something in particular and that uh explains a lot why people prefer to to use uh, avod services because okay. uh i mean we are already paying for that many stuff so the opportunity to have uh, content for free, it's always a great opportunity. And actually, during um, right within that report, it mm-hmm. shows that uh, users do not mind watching the ad as they can. Yes, yeah, 78% is that, right? 74%. Yeah, 74%. They don't mind watching an ad 
as long as they still have free content. Mm. So that is something that um, it absolutely reflects how the region is and also how is the behavior of the consumer in Latin America. And we've also seen this because many of the AVOD services or channels that they have appeared, they're mm. very focused on soap operas, on telenovelas, mm. because okay. they can watch it the whole day. Like, we all love it to watch TV while we're doing something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's a cultural thing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, we don't mind watching uh, an advertising. And this is going to be something really positive for brands when trying to see for CTV because uh, people are going to receive the the message of the brand in a very positive way. There's actually been some studies of uh, how brand lift was uh, exceeded after watching uh, CTV campaigns. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is something that it's really interesting. There are very not that many players um, okay. as far as channels, apps, and devices and the amount of users but we know that it's going to keep growing and most like big companies are noticing it like for example Roku mm-hmm. is creating a whole strategy to create a lot of channels that are just dedicated to content wow. here from mm-hmm. Latin America because most of the content for example uh Pluto TV that it's huge mm-hmm. of AVOD um the content is already translated to Spanish, but it's also international. So even though uh, we would say that people with higher income probably like to watch international uh, content, uh, yeah. most, of, most of the people would absolutely prefer to watch their content from their country or from Latin yeah. America. Got it. It makes sense. And Roku is, I think, either number one or number two, considered in terms of like best streaming devices after maybe Amazon Prime. Um, so uh, so I I understand how I mean, I think that's a major move for Roku, the fact that they're focusing and trying to not like match the culture culturally match um, content for the different countries, because I can I can relate to that. Like, you want to be able to watch content from where you're from. And then everything else is kind of nice once in a while. Um, and also, I wanted to mention real quick that um, growing up, I grew up in Senegal, in West Africa. Yes. We didn't have a lot of channels on TV. Of course, we didn't have no streaming at that time. And uh, and it was uh, we had only a handful of soap opera, but it was like uh, from the... I don't, I don't know if it was from Argentina or Mexico. I, I can't tell. But every time there was a series coming on, it was like based, like it was like Spanish based. But we had the subtitle in French. So we, wow. were, in, in, uh, we were listening in Spanish. And then there's another show that they just started translating in French for us that so we didn't have to. <laughs> but we have like one or two series. And for my, my uh, old school listeners, I'll make sure to add to what I'm talking about in the show notes because I can't think about it. But there is that one show and everybody loved watching this show. So uh, when you mentioned soap opera, how you guys like soap opera, I started giggling because um, it took me back to when I was, <laughs> I was like an early teen. Oh boy, great times, great times. 
Um, all right. So guys, in recap of what um, Manuela just shared with us, uh, am I pronouncing it correctly, Manuela? Yes. Okay, Perfect. I got to make sure. I got to make sure. Those couple of breaths helped. Spanish <laughs> <laughs> pronunciation. Yeah, Manuela. Okay, I got it. Um, all right. So she just shared that um, they're, you know, streaming CTV is still growing in that region. In those regions, sorry, because there's more than one. Um, that people, consumers are more likely to watch ad, ad, um, I mean, content with ad, because as long as it remains free, and that Roku is making major moves in terms of creating channels that are, that is going to reflect to the, to the consumer down there. So that's super cool to hear. Another stat I would like to mention, and again, that's from Magnite, um, research report is in terms of behavioral behavioral impact. So it says right here, advertising in CTV has the power to activate viewer response, both online and offline. So 52% of all respondents took some kind of action. I don't know about you, but I can confidently say that we don't have that high of a number right now in the North American um, in a North American region, right? I think it's so high. It's, it's like 52%. And it breaks it down uh, by, I guess, the top three countries in terms of CTV uh, availability. So 45% from Argentina have taken action after watching the, the ad, 52% from Brazil, and 58% from Mexico. Um, so, so that's like major. So do you think, do you think that number is going to continue increasing? Yes, so I think um, definitely um, the users are are very responsive and and people are feeling more comfortable with TTV and CTV ads. Mm-hmm. And while like some formats are going to be developed, I'm thinking right now as I speak, mm-hmm. uh, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> but with. Yeah. Um, I know there are some companies that are bringing um, QR codes uh, for CTV formats, so you'd be able to uh, go to the store. Yes, you just scan exactly. the TV. That is so smart. That is so smart, y'all. They just like you put your phone up and you scan and then you keep on moving. That's like that's genius. Exactly. So um, I I think as this uh, continues to happen, and also I know like YouTube ads that. They take the major share on CTV, um, continue to try to um, merge the online ad with what happens in the offline world. Uh, This trend is going to continue to increase. Uh, And it's also because we absolutely love offers. And I think like I'm we are always amazed by amazed by new stuff. I, I, I think like technology is something that we are very receptive. And we can tell by just what happened last year with uh, quarantine, etc. Yeah. Like there was an, an excessively early adoption of CTV in Latin America. Like it grew so fast that no one had a chance like to act on it because, yeah, <laughs> yeah like Same people here. started downloading stuff and seeing yeah. like, oh, there's this new whole world. And actually also using QR codes. We didn't have that in Argentina until last year. Uh, for paying for stuff like in the US, it's normal Apple Pay, but 
it was something it happened but it accelerated the adoption in the region right. so yes i think it's kind of going to continue right that is that is so um that's very interesting that's very interesting um yeah i ctv definitely grew very much i think it was what 200% uh more in the us specifically and i had catherine dell on one of the podcasts recently and she said that it was an average of 45 minutes a day of streaming before covid and uh, before quarantine and it went to like four hours or three to four hours i was like yeah i'm watching a lot of tv in one day that's a lot <laughs> but it's all streaming that was not linear it's all streaming tv and i want to get back uh, into the stats i just gave because uh, I, i kept reading and i noticed what so I said that 52% of those respondents took some type of action and those actions are laid out as follow. So it's either they search online for the product service advertised, they recall the ad later, they discuss, discuss the ad with somebody. So that there goes your awareness, this goes your brand lift, and then they, or they bought advert, the advertised product or services. So I wanted to make sure I highlight those actions because action can be anything. And I don't think a view is an action guys. So that's definitely not one and that's what I wanted to clarify before we move on to the next point. So, oh man, there's so this is so interesting. So what is this the one thing? So in terms of prediction, what can you predict for uh the CTV in uh in that market? What can you think is going to happen by the end of the year or by next year we'll be seeing X. Um so I think um I want to take a minute to think this one. This is a tough one. I I don't know what to tell you. I think I I think it's going to continue increasing. I think it's going to based on just based on what you just said, I feel like you guys are going to continue um getting more creative and innovative in the, in how you will measure and tie that action from the streaming um that's happening. Yeah, um, like the QR code, I think is really genius. I, I'm very impressed. I don't know if the listeners are, but I think it's really, it's really cool. It's a nice concept. So, and it goes back to what I was saying about the African market. They're texting the uh, the ad or the promotion. If and if the consumer clicks through, then that's how they're able to retarget offline, which I thought I thought was really interesting. Uh, we have different laws here in the U.S., um, but I think it's really cool. Yeah, I I think in in general the CTV market it's gonna boom because um like the pressure of having Roku with more inventory and also companies like SmartClip that is from Spain they landed to Mexico and Brazil trying to yeah. evangelize uh the market on it like I think there's still um some some time for us to and for agencies for all the parts that are that work on on programmatic to understand what CTV is because mm-hmm. it still happens to me that i i am always training clients mm-hmm. on like what CTV is they still don't get it that much they really want to see like the visual so i've instead of like having a mock up i have a mock up from the the tv like going into roku going into a channel oh my god yeah those are yeah. those are the ones that we've created uh to help the client understand because in latin america we love to see stuff to believe yeah. it <laughs> and <laughs> and so i think following this line of 
uh, all these companies coming to show the wonders of of DTV and programmatic yeah. and like the money shifting to digital and being able to just pay a CPM mm. uh, or being on a big screen than the absurd amount of money that you pay for linear. It's going to yeah. make sense that it's going to eventually boom because small advertisers that weren't ever able to get a, your ad on prime time mm-hmm. on linear, they're going to be able to do it on CTV. Oh, absolutely. And also, and also they're going to be able to reach out to those consumers like me that I don't own a TV. Um, so those millennials and Gen Z that are, we are uh. becoming consumers and Let's not forget that this region is a really young region. Mm-hmm. So most of the people are young and we prefer watching TV, streaming and using our mobile phones for everything, for watching Netflix, for buying stuff. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to be really interesting and mm-hmm. hopefully I'll be there selling more CD. <laughs> <laughs> you're definitely going to be there. I think you will. I think you're you're becoming a leader and you are a leader in the industry. So I think that would be really cool to continue seeing. And we'll definitely have you back so you can give us an update on the CTV uh, space. So um, was there anything that you wanted to mention before we get into the second article and close the, the podcast? Uh, no, I think uh, we, yeah, I think we had a great conversation. Yeah. yeah. All right. So yeah. let's talk about this Digiday article real quick before we close. Uh, I want to be respectful of your time. So you shared this article and I thought, okay, so let's go ahead and start with, uh, end with this article from Digiday and you can give me your top three um, point of view. Uh, the, the article, the Digiday article is called The Great Sucking Sound. Automation has made media buyer buying harder. Um, in the article, I'm recapping really quickly here. It's saying that even though ad tech, DSPs, um, whatever technology you're using uh, in your day-to-day, even though that technology has advanced, you still need to have somebody to be able to monitor and that you shouldn't trust the automation 100%. What is your take on that? So when I first came into this article, I was, because I'm always worrying about, you know, machines are smarter than us, they can optimize, but I am <laughs> completely... I agree 100% with that. There there still need to be people involved. You still need to monitor your campaigns day to day, even though you have a daily cap. Mm -hmm. Like something as simple as not hitting a daily cap and you have to measure that. I think um, you're still going to need to to have people to, to monitor the process. And also one point that I really liked about um, the article in specific is that even if automations um, take uh, start doing processes that we normally do, they're still going to open other positions and other jobs that we're going to need to support yeah. to help uh, machine learning and yeah. IA. So that's something that I found really interesting. Yeah. And I do, I do think like one of the examples that they show that mm-hmm. uh, that's something that we struggle normally is that with reporting that we need to download for six spreadsheets and mm-hmm. be able to show that in a dashboard. Like dashboards exist and analytics exist. But I still have clients asking me for 
the exhale. The inside, yeah, yeah. And the <laughs> exhale, yeah. So funny you mentioned that. <laughs> I had uh I just had Niao Manos on the on the podcast, and she's the co-founder and and uh I call it data unicorn of click buoyant. And it's a reporting system that helps you visualize the data and it pulls initial insight so that your data analysts don't have to do what you're doing, like pulling all those reports, putting it in one, so it's automating. And But the, the key differentiator with ClickBoyant is the fact that a, it really understands based on goals and it pulls from Google Analytics. So it doesn't only mention your paid and mention everything else. And sure, some of us listening are going to be like, oh, I'm doing this in Tableau or Datarama. Cool. Right. Good for you. But it's about working smart. And in that, in that uh, and I'll end this before we close, but I mentioned how when I talk to clients that don't understand programmatic, the word per se or programmatic media or why it's important, I always say, I always like to refer it to as a train. You know, you have a train, the train can go from A to B because it's one straight line, even though programmatic is not one straight line, but you still need a conductor. We're not there yet. I know that um, the train company here in the U.S. is working on automated some stuff, you know, and then we hear Amazon and Elon Musk saying that cars are going to be driven by themselves eventually. Cool. But in this moment in time, we still need a conductor. So that is a great article. Again, I will make sure to uh, to ping it in in the show notes um, because I really want to know more about you on a personal level. So in our closing segment, I like to ask um, some fun facts questions. So can you tell us three fun facts about yourself in like 30 seconds or less? And go. Okay, so <laughs> I started doing handstand class during the pandemic. And oh. that led me to starting acrobatic all, almost in my 30s. Wow. I love traveling. I was born in Venezuela, raised in Colombia, but... I've been living in Argentina, so I consider myself from Latin America. Yeah, <laughs> that is definitely it. Yeah, that is so it. I used to watch this show on Netflix and it was uh, based in Colombia. It was uh, uh, filmed in Colombia. I think, oh, what is it uh, called? It's something about the witch, always a witch or something like that. It was uh, really cool. I, I know which you- one is. Yeah, uh, but I thought it was really cool. That I was I was streaming this when I was on maternity leave and I was just starting, to, I was just getting, I wanted like a different perspective. So I started Googling Netflix um, series filmed outside of the US or filmed outside of like the, you know, the, the European countries. And this one came up and I was like, yeah, let me look. And I thought it was very nice. It was really great content. Um, it was for younger market than myself, but I really appreciate it. Like just, learning and seeing like Colombia it's such a great country I mean I mean it's such a beautiful country sorry I meant to say beautiful not great <laughs> it's such like a beautiful and they were like I mean just like the the maybe it's the way they were filming but I was like I was I wanted to jump in that water I wanted to go have a couple you know a glass of whatever a cocktail with her, with them because it was really bomb like really <laughs> yeah yes I I just recommend all the time people to travel to Latin America. I oh, recently yeah. lived in Nicaragua for seven months. Oh, wow. And it's the second most poorest country in the region, but uh-huh. literally the most beautiful I've seen. Like, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Like the combination of volcano flakes and oh, wow. things that I've never seen in my life in such a small country. And yeah, 
from Mexico to Argentina, just the landscape. Wow. You just is- love it. Um. Uh, and the people and the food <laughs> and it doesn't surprise me like senegal is a third world country um but it's such a beautiful the scenery the culture is so gorgeous and most african countries are considered third world country on the economic and political level but it's gorgeous like uh venezuela i have clients of mine uh the colibri agency a colibri digital agency and some of her team are in california and in venezuela and like i looked up Caracas, Caracas. And I was like, uh, yo, I told, I showed my husband. He's like, we got to go there right now. I'm pretty sure that their borders are still closed because of COVID. But we like, we made an agreement with each other that in the next two years, we're going to go. And it, it could have been this year had it not been the COVID. And then we're still like a little like chickens. We're still scared of traveling for real, for real for now. Um, but yeah. yeah, I, I support that. And you know what? If you have pictures to show, I would love to, to show it on our social media. Thank you so much for joining us. This was such a great experience. This is not the last time we're here from her. We might hear from her next month even because I have so much more question about that market. Thank you so much, Manuela. That, this was so amazing. I'll have uh, Manuela's LinkedIn information in the show notes. Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful day. You too, Helen. Thank you so much for having me. And you have a great day. Un abrazo para ti. Thank you. Thank you. Gracias. Thank you so much for joining the conversation and we hope you enjoyed it. Please do us three small favors. Follow us on Apple iTunes and leave us a review. Like and comment on all social media. Sign up to our newsletter on the website programmaticdigest.com which sends you one reminder every new episode or once a month as a recap. For any articles, topics, and the guest information, you can find it in the show notes on our website programmaticdigest.com. Thank you and stay curious, my friend.